welcome to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. Today I have a special interview for you, something that I haven't really done before on a topic I haven't really d- discussed before. Uh, we are going to be talking about the topic of Islam and how to evangelize with Muslims and how to talk to Muslims. And joining me to do it is a person who I cannot name uh, from a country we'll let him talk about uh, because where he's at is actually illegal to evangelize. And so uh, we have to be careful and sensitive of those things, but uh, excited for that. And so uh, I've known this person for um, quite a while, I think about 10 years now, and uh, and just really uh, grown close to him, a good friend of mine. And so uh, just been really cool to see what he's been doing the last uh, little bit he's been over uh, as a missionary and uh, excited to talk with him on the show this morning. So thank you uh, for joining me. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is super cool being a part of this. I love listening in. And yeah, like like Ryan said, we've been good friends for about 10 years. So this is cool. It's fun. So I know that from time to time you have listened to the show, correct? Yes, yes, definitely. Are, are you able to listen in where you're at or is it blocked or how's that work? Nope. Nope, I can listen in. Um, not too much of the internet is blocked where I'm at. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's free to listen in. It works. Awesome. And so now, how long uh, have you been uh, in, in your location? I have been there, let's see, a little over a year. I got there in December December 2nd of 2017. So just over a year. All right. So, yeah, so with that, like, going, like, first setting off, um, as a quick disclaimer uh for all you listeners out there i definitely do not claim to be uh you know an expert on islam uh so there might be some people listening in that were like i know better than this guy knows or i know more than he knows you know well that's okay you know that's awesome if you know a bit more um i definitely don't claim to be an expert but really what i want to be conveying uh which you kind of briefly mentioned in your intro is that you don't need to be an expert uh, to share the love of Christ with these people, uh, with Muslims who Jesus loves so much. Um, and yeah, so just look that little disclaimer up front. Absolutely. And that's important is the idea that, um, you don't have to know everything about anything, about whoever you're talking to, whether it's, it's Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or atheists or, or Muslims, uh, if asking good questions, talking to them, getting to know their story, those sort of things are so key and so important. Uh, yeah. but also, uh, for, for you though, but you know, you are you are there. You're talking with them. You're sitting yeah. down, having these conversations. And so, even though maybe you know you don't have the the expert in you know uh, knowledge of the Hadith and the Quran and and all yeah. that kind of stuff, uh, you have insights in, in conversations that you've had and and how to have these kind of conversations. And so that's what hopefully we're going to yeah. be well, we are going to be talking about. And yeah. and hopefully that is an encouragement uh, to those of you listening. So. I know that you were mentioned you can give some kind of descriptors for some of those uh, sort of those who are listening to. Maybe have some clues on where you're at. Uh, what is the place? What is your city like? Yeah, so I am in a country in Eurasia, uh, so that part of the world. Um, yeah, I'm gonna tr- do my best to not say the country uh, just for security reasons. Again, as Ryan mentioned, it's illegal there of what I'm doing. So, but yeah, it's in the region of Eurasia, and this city is a massive city. About 20 million people live there, and of those 20 million. Uh, so the country I live in, it's not it's not usually associated as a Muslim country because uh, predominantly it's not a Muslim country uh, as a country as itself. But that city of 20 million, close to 7 million are Muslims. Wow. Uh, so that's about one third. So if you think about that, like to really try to materialize it in your mind, one in three people that you see on the street 
is a Muslim, and they're from unreached people groups. Uh, this term UPGs, which we'll, I'll probably mention a lot, stands for unreached people group. Uh, so that means they come from a, a people group, basically their own culture, their own background, their own history. And if they're unreached, that means they have no uh, no gospel presentation within their people group. They've never heard the gospel message, and they have no access to the gospel message. Access is a key, key thing for an unreached people group. Um, because if you think of you know, certain places where the percentages of Christians are very, very low, like a lot of Western Europe, like Christianity is very low percentage, but there's a lot of access. You know, you, there's churches that do exist. Um, there's you can go online and access the gospel message. Uh, but within these unreached people groups, they have zero access to the gospel message. And like you had mentioned that I'm sitting down to these people day in and day out. That's true. I'm part of a team where it's our focus in reaching them. And so week in, week out, almost on a daily basis, I'm having conversations with with these Muslim people that are from various different backgrounds, a lot from Central Asia and a lot from also the Caucasus Mountain region, uh, the Caucasus. So vast differences, but also a lot of similarities in them. Um yeah. yeah. So so when you went over there, uh, was this your goal? Was was it your goal simply just to to be evangelizing on a day to day basis, or or is there a future goal that you're kind of preparing more for? Or what what exactly is your role yeah. uh, there? That's a good question. Um. So yeah, going over there, I knew that I was going to be part of this team that's focusing on evangelizing to um not just Muslims specifically, but really our focus is on unreached people groups. Uh, now, we just happen to be in the city that we live in. Muslims are the vast majority of unreached people groups, but there are a few Buddhists that we run into, Hindus, shamanists. Uh, those three are also very large um, faith systems of unreached people groups that we do run into. But Muslims are probably over 90 percent. Probably, I would say, of all the people I've shared with, Muslims would rank at probably – 97 or more percent like i can only think of a handful of people that were not muslims like i i know at least one or two buddhist guys i shared with uh, maybe one hindu guy um but yeah almost all have been muslims from upgs unreached people groups so our focus is not just sharing the gospel with them that's that's the first step but um the team that i'm with it's a it's called a live dead team and so you can check out livedead.org, which gives a lot more information. There's Live Dead teams all over. And what Live Dead is all about is to see church planting movements happen among unreached people groups. So our goal is not just to save a few people, but we want to spark and initiate church planting movements among these people. So again, that means not just one or two churches being planted. It means a movement of churches being planted, of this multiplication kind of aspect. And so our role in that is, you know, recognizing that we're not going to be the ones to save the majority of these people. Uh, it's going to be through their own people. And that's been not only the biblical example, but that's the example just through history, uh, like we've seen in China with the house church movement, like we've seen uh, what's happening in the country of Iran right now, uh, where there's just massive, awesome church plant movement happening in that country. Um, but the, what, the role that we play is someone's got to first bring the message to them. You know, we have to cross that cultural barrier, that language barrier of being the one to bring the message to them. Uh, because like it says in Romans 10, like how can they believe in the one they've never heard? You know, someone's first got to bring that message to them. And so they need a chance to hear this message because it's not 
within their people group. That's why they're unreached. Uh, but our goal is to find what we call persons of peace. And that concept of person of peace you can find in Luke 10 where uh, Jesus sends out the 72. And he gives them very clear instructions of what to do as you go out. And he's telling them to look for persons of peace, people who would receive them. So a person of peace receives the messenger, then they receive the gospel, and then they share it with many. If they just receive the messenger, you know, they're hospitable, they're kind. Okay, cool, but that's clearly not a person of peace. If they're, if they're hospitable, they receive us as the messenger, and then they receive the gospel, that's awesome. We're going to celebrate. You know, that's someone that's born again, that's saved. But if they're not sharing with many, that, that's, again, not a person of peace. The person of peace is that they take that final step, and they, they're just so passionate that they're sharing it with many people. And that's a person of peace. That's someone who God will use to really – start a church planning movement among their people. And so our role would be to, when we find those kind of people, we disciple them, we train them and we're training them to lead the church uh, within their people group so that movements can happen. Awesome. Wow. So how would you go about finding persons of peace when what you're doing is is Mm -hmm. illegal evangelism? No, No, sorry. One quick question before that. Yeah. Would it be illegal for all people? So can the Muslims go out and evangelize or is this strictly a a ban on Christian evangelism? No, it's a ban uh, for the country I'm living in. Evangelism is banned across the board. Doesn't matter what your faith is. Yeah. So, um, so how would you then go out and find these people when you don't know who you're going to be talking to and how they're going to respond? And yeah, good question. So Exactly. So, I mean, what we do is we areas or places where we know that they're more heavily concentrated. Uh, so, I mean, again, a city of 20 million, it's a massive city. But if one in three is a Muslim, they're not too hard to find. But there are certain areas where they're more heavily concentrated. So we're intentional about going to where they are. And some of the best when you're wanting to evangelize with really anyone, um, but especially for Muslims, as they are very hospitable people, mm-hmm. um, you want to find you want you want to try to find them in a place in a situation where they're not in a rush. So, for example, going to a bus stop or a train station would not be a good place because people are in a rush; they want to get to a destination. So, what works really well for us is in the summer when it's nice weather, we go to parks and find people just, you know, having a picnic, just sitting down on a, on a park bench, just relaxing, um, by the fountain in a park, for example, or on a park bench, um, throughout all year round, which we can do, especially in the winter when it's freezing and snowing, uh, we can, we go off into food courts in malls. Uh, that's an amazing, amazing, amazing place to share. Even here in the States, you can do that. Go to a food court because you have massive open seating area. So, you can uh, – what we often do is we'll spot out where these people are because uh, they're easy to distinguish usually. Uh, we'll just sit at a table right next to them and then just initiate a conversation with them. Or uh, sometimes the food courts are very full and you're forced to sit with other people. So then we just go and sit specifically with them. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes we'll even – even if it's not a full food court – We'll just go and ask and sit with them anyways, you know? And yeah. for us Westerners, us Americans, like that feels very weird and strange. Like, why would we sit with them when there's an open table just across from them? But these people are very hospitable people, you know? And getting to know a foreigner, a stranger, especially American, that's intriguing to them usually. So it's not strange for them so much. So we just have to get over that mental barrier in our mind and just go sit with them. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of two things. And and for those listening, though, uh, it's 
connection. We're we're talking now over Skype, and the connection seems to be cutting out a little bit. So if it starts to get a little bit broken up, uh, that's why. Uh, but uh, a friend of mine, Alan Schleeman, tells a story. Uh, he does a lot of work with Muslims, and he tells a story. If he went, he w- he wanted to do an interview or something of that sort, and he went up to kind of a into a, a highly populated area of Muslims and saw two guys walking into a restaurant. And just walked up to him and said, "Hey, can I eat with you?" And they went, "Yeah," and he ended up eating with them for like two hours, yeah. and they paid for lunch. You know, it's yeah, like exactly. they, yep. they they want to talk about their religion, and and so that's not anything frightening. But it also reminds me of when we go to Utah. Uh, with the Mormons, we go into the BYU cafeteria and either sit at a table next to or just walk up to a table and say, hey, can we sit with you? Uh, we have some questions. And, yeah. you know, it can be super awkward at first. But I tell you what, we take these these students there and the first time they're scared to talk to these BYU students to, to ask them questions. But we spend a couple hours there. We come back another time. And after day two or three, you know, they're super pumped. And, and they walk out of the cafeteria and then they go find someone sitting on the grass and go talk to them. And, and just the, the confidence builder uh, that yeah. that is uh, when you realize like, hey, I can just sit down and then just like, hey, I have yeah. some questions. I just want to learn from you. What, what do you like to do? What do you do for a living? What does your religion teach? And what do you think about this? And just asking those sort of questions. It's really cool. Yeah. So. So you walk into this cafeteria and you see them sitting there and you sit next to them or you walk up and just, hey, hey, can I sit with you? How do you enter into kind of those conversations? Yeah. So um, for us, we do have an advantage. Um, and by us, I mean like myself and my team members who are foreigners in this country that we're living in. We do have an advantage because these Muslims, they're also foreigners in that country. So they're not native there. Uh, so we kind of build that bond as like, we're both foreigners, you know, because sadly this country that I live in, they're treated like dirt. They are really Mm. treated like less than human. So by us showing them some interest and showing them some dignity goes a far way. So oftentimes when I sit down with them, almost the first thing I'll ask them, if not always the first thing I'm like, Hey, where are you from? You know, and they'll say what country they're from. And then they'll usually be interested in where I'm from because the country that I'm living in, yes, there are Americans there, but usually Americans don't learn the language of the country that I'm living in. And so it's kind of strange for an American to be speaking that language. So th- their first guess would not be America, actually. Uh, and so sometimes they even think I'm a native of that country. After I ask them what, where they're from and they tell me, then I'll tell them, oh, I'm from America. And usually interesting instantly they're very interested like oh really so just and then just starting to talk from there you know about tell me about your country then i'll tell them something about my country and then and they would just start a natural conversation about learning about each other you know so are these conversations both happening in second languages for both of you since you're both visitors in the country both of you so how would you find that that their language is most of the time are are they pretty well studied because i know you're still learning yeah, so it really varies. Um, fortunately, the program that I've been learning to use has been really effective, and I'm pretty conversational in the language now. And also, I just worked really hard at being able to share the gospel message in this language. So within three months of studying the language, I was able to share a full presentation of the gospel wow. in this language. Um, it was a small presentation, but it was the full gospel, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's credit not only to this program that I'm using, but also, I mean, really God's help. God's been awesome in through all of this. Um, and for them, the language, it really depends on how long they've been in that country. Uh, for some of them, the language is pretty rough. Um, so it really varies. Sometimes that has been a limiting factor in them not having enough of language. Uh, sometimes my language is better than theirs. But I 
think there's only been a couple times where I wasn't able to share the gospel message effectively due to them not understanding. I think that's been like literally only one or two times. Usually I'm able to, to convey to them, but usually, um, since it is their second language, and this just goes as a rule of thumb whenever you're dealing with someone who English is, for example, if you're meeting someone in America who, uh, who now they know some English, uh, you really want to get to their heart language the best as possible. So it doesn't mean you need to study their heart language, but for example, anytime you're going to show them scripture, pull it up in their language. Hmm. Even if they have an amazing understanding, even if they've done like a doctorate in English, you know, and they have like <laughs> phenomenal English. Pulling someone in someone's heart language that speaks to the heart so much deeper, mm. you know. So, um, so like on the U version Bible app, for example, there's so many languages on there. So like, I mean, Arabic is on there, you know. Like a lot of these Muslim people speak Arabic uh, if they're from Arabic speaking countries. But if they're not from Arabic speaking countries, most people I'm working with are not, and they don't speak Arabic. But I've there are other languages on U version that have have their languages, or there's even other languages where you can, or sorry, other apps where you can get like just a Tajik Bible uh, or just an Uzbek Bible. Um, yeah, there, there's a website, IBT. They, they do a lot of Bible translations. So there's a lot of app or a lot of uh, languages that are on there that are not on version. So uh, that can be a really good tool, just showing them some scripture in their heart language. Yeah, awesome. Well, I want to get into, and we have about 12 so minutes left. Uh, I want to get into some of the kind of the main belief systems. Is So so when you're talking with them, you talked about they're very hospitable. They want to have that conversation. They're interested in learning about you and you learn about them. What are some other kind of cultural differences and and religious beliefs that would be important for someone to understand when having conversations with Muslims? Totally. Yeah. So, of course, there are – Muslims are – there's no two Muslims alike, you know, just like Christians, you know, like, so yeah. there's a lot of differences. However, there's also a lot of similarities. So like we already mentioned, they're extremely hospitable usually. So, so many times they've offered to, uh, to buy me food or tea, you know, um, or they've offered me some of the food that they've already bought. Uh, so that's very common with them. Um, and so don't feel awkward about receiving that from them. If they're offering you something, receive that because it's a very much honor shame culture. Also, that's a huge, huge thing, which I'll get a little bit more into in a minute. But if you're refusing the food they're offering, that's shameful for them. You know, so you don't want to shame them that way. So receive that food, receive it. Um, so hospitality is very important to them. And, and, you know, like you already mentioned, they enjoy talking about their faith. They don't separate their faith from their lives. So don't be afraid to just ask. You can ask them straight up. Are you a Muslim? You know, and don't be in a condescending way. You just be very like, oh, like, are you a Muslim? You know, and they will have no problem saying, yes, I am. You know, like, and that's not a weird question for them. And yeah. so I know sometimes we feel awkward about like approaching the subject of Islam or Muslim with them, um, but it's not awkward for them. And you know what? Even if it does feel awkward for you, something that like God has helped me uh, when I feel awkward. Of course, not only just praying for boldness, you know, because we believe the Holy Spirit gives us boldness, but sometimes you pray for boldness and you feel it, and sometimes you don't feel it, you know? Yeah. But when I'm feeling awkward, I always think, okay, what's more important, me not sharing because I feel awkward or sharing, and I could be this person's only chance to hear the gospel message, hmm. which is so true. So many of these people we share with have never heard the gospel message. And, you know, even Muslims that have come to America, there's so many refugees that are coming here to America. So it's a phenomenal opportunity for Christians right here in America to be sharing with them. And, you know, just because they're living here doesn't mean they've heard a proper presentation of the gospel. Yeah. Um, 
So you could be someone's only chance to hear. Um, and go to that hospitality aspect, since hospitality is so important to them. You know, if they're a foreigner here in America, how – I mean if you offer hospitality to them, if you notice some Muslims move into your neighborhood, invite them over for dinner. That would be a massive open door to their hearts, you know, just to show them that that welcoming. Because how many people here in America are not welcoming them, you know, whether it's just by their attitude toward them, you know, just show them some care. And that could go a huge, huge way. Um, I feel like a lot of people, though, they have a fear. Um, yeah, and that's exactly. why um, how I mean, is that fear legitimate? Is it not? A, how, how would you suggest going yeah. about kind of having that fear of Muslims because of seeing radicals, but as yeah. well as knowing that there are non-radical yeah. peaceful Muslims as well? Yeah. So that fear is most like it is usually not um, not valid. I would say um, I've never once felt in danger with these Muslims that I've been sharing with. I've been sharing with them literally almost on a daily basis for over a year now. You know, so um, the, yeah, the vast majority are not um, going to be dangerous to you, not at all. Um, and you know what the thing is, even if there is that possibility of danger, Jesus is worth sharing. You know, he is worth being glorified among them. He is worth proclaiming his glory to them. So, but again, most of the time it's, it's not, there's no reason to be afraid. And, you know, once you start doing this the first time and then you start doing a little bit more, that fear will go away. And one big thing that, that God showed me one time when I was feeling some fear about one specific people group who is just notorious for, uh, their assassins and whatnot. And, and, um, God revealed to my heart that, I was still fearful of them because I did not love them enough. Hmm. You know, if we really love these people, then we'll, we'll want to do whatever to share with them and we'll be compelled to share the gospel with them because we want them to be saved. And you know, God, he's a loving father that loves them so much. And we've got to realize that, that he wants them. Jesus died for them just as much as he died for us. And, and they just haven't had a chance to hear yeah. So yeah, that fear is usually un un uh, based. I get if that's the right way to put it. Yeah, we're um, we're, we're applying the 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 small percentage. I think the last yeah. number I heard was somewhere around ninety eight percent are peaceful. Yeah, uh, you know it's only two percent radical Muslims, and so we're applying that the 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 two percent to the whole. And yeah, saying well because there are some out there that are radical, therefore I, I'm yeah. scared of all, and and really you know we we shouldn't have that fear. Yeah, and you know, um, I think another fear is just how to share with them. I know, like for me, before before I moved over there in the states, I had some coworkers who were Muslims, and I wasn't afraid of them doing anything dangerous to me, but I just didn't know how to share with them, and that put fear in me too, just not knowing how to approach the subject and how to share with Muslims. So hopefully, I can help diffuse this fear a little bit. Um, a little bit getting, just want to hit some brief points real quick because I know we're on time. Um, a few other things about their culture is very important: is that elders, especially the elder male carries the authority for the group. So if you're sharing to a group, whoever's the eldest male, they will be the authority on religious matters. Um, Mm. So you're going to be wanting to talk to them uh, or addressing them at least if you're addressing a group. Um, And it's really important for males to speak to males, females to speak to females. Um, Now here in America, it depends on how westernized they become. If they become a bit westernized, then that's not so much a thing. But you don't want to just assume that they've been westernized. You want to start the safe way and see if the female addresses you as a male or vice versa, then you know it might be kind of okay. But um, bear that in mind, male address male, female address female. And so if you're addressing a group, 
and you recognize that like the eldest male, for example, they're taking the authority on the spiritual matters. And even if they're being very um, like just contradicting everything you're saying and saying like, no, Jesus is not God. It's only Muhammad. He's the only way, blah, blah, blah. Um, you never know if someone in the group who's being silent is very interested and wants to know more, but they are just not allowed to speak in that cultural context. So you never know. So um, so that's just some, another thing to keep in mind. The silent one in the group could be the one that's like dying for this information about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've had that before where I, it was two Jehovah's Witnesses in my house and the oldest one was, all, was talking the whole time. Uh, but the young kid was just sitting there with just intent eyes. You could just tell mm-hmm. was just soaking it up. And it's like, I, mean, I know this other guy, does, it just seems like he's not going to budge. But yeah. man, you never know what's going on inside the mind yeah. of, of the younger one. Yeah. And so like another thing is, that uh, a big important thing is that they dress conservatively and so very conservatively like females and again this is if they're not westernized the females would not have uh like their shoulders exposed so a shirt that would cover the shoulders even so not even like a sleeveless uh shirt top um of course would not be wearing leggings uh which is so (laughs) popular i know in america um and and even guys are still pretty conservative the way they dress so and also they don't eat pork so I mentioned those things just like if you were to invite a Muslim over to your home, be conservative of that. Don't cook pork and let them know like, you know, I did not cook. Nothing of pork was cooked. That'll just put them at ease. Um, and then also if you just dr- make sure to mental note for yourself like, OK, females don't wear leggings. Just just a little bit, a little extra. You don't have to be crazy conservative, but just a little bit just helps uh, bridge those gaps a little bit. Yeah. Um, and for some central beliefs of them, uh, whereas we see things – as sin versus not sin, whether I, did I was this was this right or wrong? That's the way we see things. Was it right or wrong? They don't view things at all. Was it right or wrong? They view it. Did I bring shame on myself and my family, or did I bring honor on myself and my family? So you can do something what we would consider wrong or breaking the law if it brought honor. That's okay. Mm. If, they, if they were not shamed, if they got away with it and no one knows, it did not bring shame. Then that's also okay. So that's the way they view things. Um, and that's important to know when we're addressing um, the gospel message and where we're presenting the gospel to them is that uh, God removes our shame, that he covers our shame. That, that goes a huge way. Of course, forgiving our sins is also important. Uh, that's 100 percent important. We, we also mess in, I also mentioned that, of course, that God forgives our sin, but also just really driving home the point that he covers our shame. He, for, he takes away our shame. That really speaks to their heart. Um, about that shame thing. Um, there's also the five pillars of Islam, which we don't have to go into detail now at all, but just to know that it's very works-based. Uh, it's just extreme. You do these works, and even if you do all these works, you still do not know if you're saved within Islam because it's still only you only know on Judgment Day, even if you did everything correct, your good deeds are weighed against your sins, and if your good deeds outweigh, then still you don't you're still not for sure guaranteed because it's at Allah's whim. So it's there's no guarantee of salvation within Islam. Um, so one thing that we often tell them up front is like, you know, I know my sins are forgiven. And I've had some people say like, what how can you know? Nobody can know. And I say like, no, I know, not because I'm a super per- I don't live a perfect life. I'm not good. I do sins too. But I know my sins are forgiven because – and then it go into the – because of what Jesus has done. Um, but I can, if we have time, I can get a little bit into how I present the message to them. Well, I'm, I'm looking at what the time, think? and yeah. we have two minutes. However, oh, gosh, this yeah. is so awesome, and I'm enjoying it. How about we spill in and do a second week? That sounds good. Yeah, we can do that. You got some time to keep recording? 
Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Alrighty. So, so just as we kind of wrap up then, I guess this first uh-huh. part of, yeah. of kind of summarizing, um, yeah. you know, we shouldn't be afraid. Um, th- there are so many peaceful Muslims. And again, I, 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 can, I just keep thinking about, again, of the disciples going out, uh, sharing yeah. and evangelizing, uh, not with fear, uh, not yeah. afraid of death. Yeah. Um, now, I think that uh, we maybe have become very com- comfortable Mm-hmm. To, you know, if it's any little bit dangerous whatsoever, it's like, I'm going to stay away. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the examples that we have, people went out and shared uh, without that fear and invite them to your house, show hospitality, love them and just, man, ask them questions and see where that leads. So, all right. Yeah. So we're going to wrap up this first part. Thanks for just the great information there in the part one. Yeah, and, it's awesome. And we're going to keep recording and uh, we'll, we'll have a second week. Uh, so next week check that out. Thank you all so much for listening to Coffee House Questions in this first part. Just remember that you can send in those comments or questions. Email at contact at coffeehousequestions.com on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash coffeehousequestions. Find me on Instagram or Twitter at RyanPolly3 or text them in at 714-989-6927. Also remember, head over to iTunes and give the show a like. You don't even have to write a comment. You can simply just give us some stars and leave it there. That means a lot, and it helps to get more people to see the show. So thank you so much. Check back in next week for part two. Have an awesome day. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Coffee House Questions. Coffee